Hey guys and girls, welcome to the latest episode of The Finnovator with me, Stuart Bell. Uh, I'm a business coach and I work with advice professionals and I help them build businesses that uh, frankly rock. Uh, today's webinar uh, is a sort of recording uh, that is a couple of years old. But this is one where I got a bit gaga, to be honest. I went a bit schoolboyish and with good reason. Um, if you were to go over to the website and visit our About Us page, you're going to see a little bit of a story there about how I got started. Uh, and there were three experiences I had when I was consulting, much like everybody else was, that really changed things for me. The one I've spoken about before is, is, is getting involved in corporate freedom in the tech world. The second one is the book that I wrote, Innovation. But the one that kicked it all off came from a voucher that I bought as uh, a Groupon deal. Now, uh, if you remember the group buying uh, thing a while back, it, everybody jumped on. Uh, it ended up being a bit of a, um, you know, good for the consumer, uh, good for the group buying company, but not that great for the uh, business at the end of it. But uh, this one was kind of came off the back of the fact that I'd got back from traveling after my year off and I'd started to notice I was getting a little bit out of shape and uh, I'd found it hard to go to the gym and do all, you know, it just isn't, has never been a habit that stuck. So this voucher was for a boot camp down at Coogee Beach uh, and I was... I was living in Coogee at the time and I like Coogee Beach and the idea of training in the morning was amazing and I went down there, $29 was the voucher and it was a month's worth of training. Uh, now at the end of that, the jump in fee was to go from $29 to $200, but I was sold. And that is the one habit that has stuck with me. Uh, it's the one habit that served me and kept me healthy and uh, stopped me from you know, doing other things. And the people behind this are two of the most inspirational human beings I've had the opportunity to work with. Emily Gunny Brabham and uh, Jim Chief Brabham. It's weird to call him Jim because we never call him Jim, we call him Chief. Uh, you may have read about these guys because they have trained uh, so many celebrities out there. It, uh, the interesting thing is when they reel off the list, uh, it sounds like they're boasting, but they're not. And this is the thing. They are two of the least boasting and uh, most humble people I know. I mean, they've trained Elton John, uh, Karl Stepanovich. Uh, God, the list just keeps going on. Half the, half the cast of Home and Away. They've trained movie stars. They've trained all sorts of people, uh, and with good reason. They are leaders in their community, not just leaders in terms of fitness professionals, but they, they are leaders that other fitness professionals, or, or to, to, to quote one of, uh, to read off one of Chief's shirts that he wrote, who wore, I train your trainer. And he does, man. He, his, his stuff is incredible. Uh, these were one of the guys who launched the first boot camp in Australia. And they pretty much heralded the whole thing. At one point, I think they had 40 or 50 licenses around the country and around the world, licensees running with them. What this uh, webinar was all about was for one good reason. What they're very, very good at is leading and getting results. Two of those things are leading because they're able to put together a community of people who are all focused on a philosophy and an ethos and a methodology, and they keep them engaged. They, the way they communicate, is, it's just it's so um, connecting and unifying. And the second thing is because the way they're able to get to the heart of what drives people, how to get people to do the things they need to do, even when they're hard, and avoid doing the things where they're not, get everybody behind it and keep them on the straight and narrow, even when they jump off, which you can see where I'm going with this, right? I've learned more from understanding how these people communicate, motivate, and unify people behind something uh, than I could have possibly done at any any industry uh, training and that's why I think looking outside your industry is so powerful if you're an advisor and you're looking to communicate with your clients and get them to take the steps they need to achieve financial freedom uh, and you're looking to be able to you know put your hand on your heart and understand that the methodology you're using is going to get the results and have those conversations when it's not happening all those sort of things that we know we need to do there is gold in here 
Uh, I hope you really enjoy it because I did. And as you can see halfway through, I'm just sitting there lapping it up. I think you will. I don't think there's anybody who could listen to this and not come away with this stuff. So that's me, enough me. See, I'm doing it again. I'm going and getting all gooey. Uh, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, leading and getting results with uh, Emily Gunny Brabham and Jim Chief Brabham. Let's take it away. For those of you that know Chief and Gunny, you'll know what this is all about. They're, uh, how can I describe them? They are the founders, business owners, the brains behind the, the original bootcamp. It's a business that has transformed many people's lives. Mine, uh, most of all, if you know the story, uh, I went down to Coogee in 2013, thinking I was going to stick around for a week and it's just completely changed my life. And I, you know, the weird thing about what they do is it's advertised about exercise, but I, to be honest, I think it's a mental health program uh, in disguise. And it's, uh, it's been absolutely transformational of myself and other people have been part of it. They are master coaches, they're brand ambassadors, uh, they're business people, uh, they are honestly two of the most inspirational and uh, honest and decent people you ever like to meet. And the success they've had over the last few years has come, you know, that we talk about the fact that there's such a thing as overnight success. Well, this is a story of just focusing on what you believe and building a great business that delivers outcomes. So I'm super excited to um, talk to them today about two real things. Talking to them about leading clients. It's interesting. Uh, a lot of people think that the best way of getting results or advising people is one-to-one. And what we're gonna see today is there is real benefit in creating a community and working with a group of people. And we're gonna talk a bit about how you create a business that multiplies those results and ultimately is better than working with people one-to-one. And then we're also gonna chat more about marketing. How to market to a whole group of people but keep it super personal because this is something that uh, um, Chief and Gunny do really, really well. Chief Gunny, you there? Perfect. How are you doing? That's probably the nicest introduction I've ever had. <laughs> you like that? Do you know how nervous I was about making an intro? I'm like, oh, what, what do I say? It's like you got you wear so many hats. Imagine if you got it wrong, what I would have yeah. done. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Grunts is just the beginning of it. Yeah. So for, for everybody, where are you right now? What's uh, what's your morning been that you've ended up in a so we're Men's Health actually sitting in our editor's office at Men's Health. Um, Nice. Uh, um, so yeah, so we've been privileged enough that uh, Luke has given up his office for the afternoon for us to, uh, to talk to you guys, which is great. Um, we've been here actually catching up with our next uh, celebrity transformation, uh, which we can't tell you who it is yet. Uh, okay. Very exciting. Uh, someone uh, who I think people are going to really appreciate and change and why he's doing it. So yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Fantastic. And who's who's been, you've worked with quite a few are we allowed to talk about the people you've worked with so far and got them into damn good shape? Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, the most recent one that most people sort of uh, know about is Guy Sebastian. Uh, we did an eight-week transformation with Guy that has just gone absolutely nuts. Um, I think it was the fastest-selling men's health issue in more than five years. Um, people are blown away by a guy who had a reputation as being you know, what the apple-headed Afro, Afro <laughs> fat kid on Idol, and that's his description that he gave yeah. us, um, to being a ripped, lean, confident guy uh, who looks like an athlete now. So yeah. Yeah. he's a big one. Um, his wife is another one. So, so she's going to be on the cover of Women's Health and Fitness next month. Yeah. Yep. Her transformation is actually even stunning. more dramatic. Girl crush. Um, <laughs> Also recently, uh, Larry Emder, um, who in his 50s now is in the best shape of his life, uh, 
we even had to get him to borrow a pair of his 21-year-old uh, son's shorts for the photo shoot because he didn't have any clothes that fit him anymore. Mm-hmm. So we've done a few, like, more recently like that. Over the years, we've worked with other celebrities uh, internationally, uh, Olympic athletes, Special Forces soldiers. So a great array of people. Fantastic. And, like, without naming names, are there any particular fields of, uh, you know, celebrity who tend to work harder than other ones? People on in the limelight, people that... Um, not necessarily have to take their shirt off, but right. be able to. Like maybe they're subject to photo shoots more often and want to be comfortable that way. Um, but we find actually it's a lot deeper than a physical attribute. Yeah. And a lot of the people that have children that work the hardest. Wow, that's really interesting. Especially if um, I've had this conversation about hiring people for businesses. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, there's a thing or thought that if you want to hire someone who's really, really efficient, Hire someone who's got kids because they're yeah. juggling already and they'll find a way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is people have this perception that um, when we're working with a celebrity client that it's all very easy. You know, they're rich, they've got the money, it must be easy. But, you know, particularly dealing with Guy and Jules where they've got two young boys, um, they don't have a nanny or anything like that. They're both running businesses. Guy's recording and touring. Uh, Jules is doing, you know, a lot of ambassadorship <laughs> as well. Um, they have found the balance in their life that mm. their fitness is just as important as everything else. And yep. so as soon as anyone gets to that point, it doesn't really matter what their career is, whether it's, you know, the local garbage man, whether it's a lawyer, whatever it might be, as soon as they make that commitment to their health, yep. then everybody works pretty much the same way. Yeah. They said that it always, you know, it, it prevents well into their family life as well. I mean, the kids start taking on the fact that they want to be good at sports or they want to eat like mum and dad and they want to, you know, get muscles and that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I yeah. have it as a bonus. It's a plus. Well, I remember you when you did the, uh, the longest day, which was, I think, Channel, channel 9, right? Channel 10. Channel 10, which was a fantastic uh, insight into what you, you – I don't know if you do it anymore, but you used to take people away for 25 hours. And we are launching it again early next year. Yes. Fantastic. And I'll I think more PC next time. <laughs> <laughs> One of the guys who did it, he uh, was talking about his motivation for it. And it was all about, you know, setting an example for his kids. And that was a really strong driver for him. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I just want to share this because I, d- I didn't put it up when I, I started. And do you know what? Trying to work out which graphic to put up for this webinar was actually pretty hard. And uh, because you've got so much, so much going on. We had uh, obviously that one we chose. But you're also, you're also ultramarathon runners, right? Yes. Yeah. Which, uh, if anybody doesn't know this, is an insane practice of running 100 kilometers through Death Valley and crazy places like that. There's also that, which I'm, <laughs> I'm just in awe of the fact that, I mean, he's a... He's, he's a, really he's heavy. 125 yeah. kilos. <laughs> he's a strong man. This, to me, uh, kind of, oh, that one, kind of defines, whoops, that one, boot camp. That's just uh, sort of pushing yourself. And then I actually saw a picture of Coogee Beach with the um, boats on it. Yeah. And I realized that I spend a massive amount of my life and an enjoyable <laughs> part of my life down hey, there. We got married there, so, you know, we spent a lot of time there too. Fantastic. You actually got married down on the beach? We literally, at sunrise. At sunrise, got married on the beach. And there were Irish streakers from what used to be the, I don't know, where the pavilion is now, and they ran down the aisle naked. That's fantastic. Didn't even Not, my, my uncles loved it. <laughs> I don't understand the problem. So I'm, I want to ask a bit about how you got started, but before we do, could you beach? at six o'clock in the morning is a beautiful place. What's, uh, what are some of the strangest sights you've seen down there at six o'clock in the morning? Really, streakers. Um, apart from a lot of drunk uh, tourists. Um, Unfortunately, there are bad things as well. 
Yeah, I think, I think one of the, the hardest things to get out of your head is when one of the guys from the, your local surf club runs past in a pair of uh, gold <laughs> gold budgie uh, smugglers. Um, yeah. Might be two sizes too small. That's... But apart from that, you know, it's, it's still, I think, very much a local beach. Yeah. No, not quite like Bondi or some of the other beaches where they, it is all about the tourists. Um, you see the same people most days. You say good day to the same people walking up and down the beach and they give a wave and, you know, you start to feel very much a part of that community. Yeah, absolutely. I saw, I, I was down there, I think, uh, two months ago. I saw a fox come out of the water. Yeah, yeah he runs yeah, along the beach. He does. Yeah, he's fantastic. I was just like, that's... It's a fair way down the beach too. He so. does as well. Yeah. Um, let's chat about the beginnings. Uh, how did it all start? Um, I guess from my perspective, it started a little bit earlier in Ems. Uh, I was an athlete at school, um, a distance runner still back then, um, and became a coach when I was 16 years old. Uh, then I joined the military, and when I was in there, built a reputation for being quite fit myself. Then I had a lot of the guys that I worked with ask me if I'd train them up as well, and that was fantastic, and I loved it. Then I had a, uh, a phone call from my platoon sergeant's wife, which is never usually a good thing to hear from a platoon sergeant's wife. But she said, look, can you come around? A few of us want to talk to you. And what it was was a group of uh, the wives and girlfriends saying that they'd love me to train them the same way I've been training their husbands. Yep. So that basically became the first boot camp program in Australia. Uh, mm -hmm. There'd been nothing like that at the time. This is back in the early 90s. Um, where we were based in the particular area of Brisbane, there were not many gyms. There was no outdoor training in those days. Mm -hmm. That's where it sort of started. And then... Over the next uh, five years or so, I you know, got out of the military, went into you know, the fitness industry wholeheartedly, um, came back up to Sydney, and uh, then from there got approached by um, uh, Fitness First Health Clubs. Mm -hmm. They said, look, we'd really love to, to do this across our network. Um, we've seen what you're doing. We'd like to replicate it. And at that time, uh, I was only employing not by, you know, specific choice male instructors i didn't have any female instructors at the time because all of my instructors were coming from the military uh, so all previous military experience and then this girl walked into my office and said look i want a job you should hire me and i said okay well tell me why and she said look you know this is all the reasoning i didn't know much about her so i, I went down to the local club where she was teaching a spin class and i've gone to walk in and the line, if anyone knows the, the uh, Fitness First at Bondo Junction, yep. the line out the door, downstairs, along the street. And I'm like, I wonder what's going on. And I've <laughs> gone up there and I've discovered that they're all lining up to get into a spin class. Wow. And then when I stood there and watched her teach, uh, the next minute um, I realised that she doesn't need a microphone. <laughs> you know, she's got the music blaring, she's got the whole room pumping. So I ended up hiring him as an instructor. Um, from there, she then became our head of sales, then our head of sales and customer service. Mm -hmm. Then we decided to, to leave Fitness First at the end of our contract and um, go back to original boot camp and just run it ourselves. Yep. And that's when we were approached by a lot of other people from the industry saying, look, you know, we'd love to do this too. Would you be interested in, in licensing the product? Okay. So from there, we now have around 50 licensed locations around Australia and Malaysia. Wow. Can I just ask uh, a little bit about the decision to run boot camp? 
what was the what was the motivation behind it? Was it simply because of what you knew, or was it because you were doing classes as well? It was a group. Had you ever done one on one? What was your view between the two? Initially, when I was doing training for other soldiers, it was mostly sort of one on one, one on two okay. sort of small stuff. Um, but when this group of ladies came, partly was time efficiency. So obviously I worked all day, um, you know, start work at five in the morning, finish work at five in the afternoon, pretty physically blown out. Um, so I had a very short amount of time that I could spend training people. And mm-hmm. so it was literally an hour a day. So the idea was to get as many people in that particular period of time that I could, you know, obviously assist. What I quickly realized though, because I trained them the same way I was trained in the military, mm-hmm. where it is very much about discipline and teamwork that the actual energy of the group became a positive element. So rather than just having one trainer pushing 15, 20, 25 people, uh, very quickly it became one trainer and 24 people mm-hmm. pushing that one more individual. Mm. So we sort of, we've both done one-on-one training as well. And we still do one-on-one training, but the group dynamic financially, there's great benefit to doing it, you know, be able to spread your one hour time amongst up to sort of 80 individuals um, with assisting instructors, but also the energy and the dynamic is, mm. is the big part. I find it easier uh, from a personal view as well. And um, you and I have spoken about it before, Belly, that I'm a, what they call an extroverted intro- introvert. Yeah. So I can, I can give an hour of my time and I can stand up and I can tell you what I'm great at. I can get you a result. I can get a whole group of people a result. But if I have to do that one-on-one for the entire day, I don't think that I would actually cope as a human being. Yeah, same. I'm not very good at the warm and fuzzies. Same. Yeah. I'm, I'm we're not quite that sort of trainer. Yeah. So if I can put my act on for, for an hour a day, do my job, and get that same result that I can get for one person out of 80 of them, then that's much better suited to me. So you can be on, do your thing, but know that, you know what, when I'm done, I'm going to go and... Exactly. Right. It's like anything. So I think it's like any sort of for lack of a description, a best description, a performance. Mm. So if you put all of your energy and all your focus into two hours a morning, then your clients are going to get the best of you and every one of your clients will get the best of you. Yeah. Whereas if like most personal trainers in our industry or, or one-on-one trainers where their day starts at 5am and they're still going at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel for the seven o'clock person? Yeah. Getting the last of the remnants. Yeah. This is the thing when I talk to um, a lot of personal trainers, they, you'd see it. They sign up thinking it's going to be great. I'll work out in the gym all day. But the reality is they're up at five, then it, bl- it drops out at about nine. And then five o'clock, they're back on till 10. So, and they're probably doing the same thing over and over again. And they don't get that group dynamic. I mean, you used to run the, uh, the grinder in Coogee and the people weren't there. The energy just wasn't there. And, and it, it, you feel it, right? We also have a very, I wouldn't call it a strict policy, but a very out there policy that if you don't want to be there, if you're not ready to commit 100% to what your goals are and for us to help you to achieve them, then th- that spot needs to be made available to someone else. We're yeah. not people that are just going to help you maintain some sort of lifestyle that you can say you've got a personal trainer, you say you've got an exercise regime. You're, you're here for a reason. Can I ask a couple of questions? One of them is about how you got attraction to the business. The other one is I, I want to pick up on that point around being comfortable telling people, you know, it's fine if you don't turn up if you're not committed. You know, you had a line of people round the round the block, lining up to join a class. Um, obviously, you you managed to get traction with boot camp. 
if you've got businesses out there who are offering something that maybe they perceive as not that different, like spin class, there's a lot of spin classes, there's a lot of exercise programs. What's the secret? How did you manage to get that line up around the block? How do you get to manage to get people to join in the first place in such volume? I think the biggest thing is, and you're right when it comes to looking at fitness groups and, and you know, you, you see yourself every time um, spring arrives that could you beach fills up with new training groups. Um, our group, you know, we, we have around about 60, 70 people booked in. I think the next largest group might have sort of 25 to 30 and there's a lot of smaller groups. Yeah. Um, I think the key to attracting people is our absolute commitment to results. And ultimately that's what a lot of people in our industry get wrong. They have this perception that it's somehow about entertaining people or about just making them feel good um, or about making it uh, fun or interesting. And they're things that we, when we design programming, we do try to implement to some extent as well. Yep. But ultimately, and we've surveyed this, you know, time, time again over the last 25 years, is why do people come to boot camp? And ultimately, number one for every single person is to get a result. Okay. Now, if you're not doing that, if you're not giving people a obvious result during the period that they're committed to you, then A, they're not going to come back. But B, if you can get results for people where, like, you know, straight away someone says, looking at yourself, you know, you've got that balance of fitness and looking good and feeling great, it self propels itself. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, people will walk down the street and notice somebody is looking good, acting great, you know, moving differently, and then suddenly that person becomes a billboard. Mm. Everyone's too time poor these days to not come for a reason. Yeah. Like no one would choose to get up at five o'clock just for a bit of fun. You know, you'd, you'd have your fun at the end of the day or during lunch or at the pub or whatever. Why would you get up at 5am for some fun or entertainment? Absolutely. Can I, actually, that's a really good segue into two things. The first one is um, you're, the, re, the, the reason behind the bootcamp is really strong. How do you know that the result you're trying to get is going to work with your kind of people that you want to be there? Has it been... Uh, you put out the result and then people have come or has there been? It's a really question. And um, it's funny where I was just looking at Leon asked the question before about attracting more ideal clients. Yes. Um, and I know this probably would have been from a business perspective in your, in your previous um, discussion, but it is a business perspective where you want clients that not only are of the right socioeconomic group, obviously, yep. but also the right mentality where they're, they're going to be committed to what you're doing. Um, they're going to be easy to manage because you don't want, problem children you don't yeah. want people that are going to take up more time than you want to be able to commit to a client um, yeah. or adversely affect the rest of the group and that's a very very big one for us yeah so the fact that we have rules and regulations again something that's very different between what we do and the majority of programs in our industry um, they see themselves as service providers so things like you might sign up to an outdoor fitness group where um, you can turn up as many times as you want to, unlimited numbers per week. They have 12 classes available. Mm-hmm. In our perspective, is no, there are three classes that you've signed up for. They're like an appointment to see your physio, your doctor, your lawyer. You've paid for it. You're going to turn up at that time yep. or you miss out. And so we start to instill this level of discipline where if someone's not going to make the commitment, the program self-regulates. They'll just, as Em said earlier, they'll move on. 
Mm. We're, we're happy to suggest another trainer or another program that suits their ability or their mentality. But ultimately, by setting certain rules, regulations, they either become part of our, uh, our tribe or they yeah. don't. If they're part of our tribe, they're going to be a positive member of this community and they're going to be the right client. They're going to pay on time. They're going to be committed to what they're doing. They're going to come with the right attitude. They're going to be there to, to uh, motivate others as much as themselves. And if they're not, we have no problem with, with saying leave. I think in this day and age as well, there's not many places where you can be completely 100% yourself and not be judged for it. Mm. And as much as I don't like the words warm and fuzzy, when you become part of the tribe that we've created, it's the safe place. It's where you can turn up with no makeup, yeah. thinking of alcohol, preferably not from the night before, <laughs> bad hair, not mentioning any names, um, and the same grey t-shirt as everybody else and not be judged. That's it's so a true. safe place. You can be yourself. The uniform thing, like a lot of people never got their head around and even now, 25 years on, a lot of trainers like, like, why do you make them all wear a uniform? Is yeah. it marketing? It's like, no, no. Because in the military, as much as I wouldn't need it anymore, everyone gets a head shaved. Everyone shaves their head. And the reason people say, oh, what's the reason for? You know, so you don't get nits and all this or something. Rubbish. The idea is whether you're blonde, brunette, dark hair, you know, straight hair, curly hair, as soon as you shave people's hair very, very short, there's a standardization. And it's this mentality of we're all the same. We're all at the same level. And that's what we're trying to do with the uniform is, we don't wear skin, you know, skin tight stuff, body hugging. No one looks overtly fitter than everybody else. It's just a way to make everyone feel a part of something. That they're all yeah. in. It's funny. Um, we've had a couple of drinks as part of boot camps, and there's sometimes I've walked in and seen someone and walks past them and gone, oh "My God, <laughs> yeah. you look great!" Yeah. Oh, you know? that happens to me. Oh my yeah. God, Jenny, you look like a girl. Wow. You, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you looked that way. Um, I've just written this down because I think it's really relevant to everybody here. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, are you providing a service or are you asking people to make a commitment to a system that you've got? And I think regardless of whether it's fitness or advice, um, I think that's a really big part of why it's been successful. Because it's, um, I, I, this is the question I want to ask. Obviously, you're very, very confident now in saying to clients, this isn't the program for you, or I don't think you should stay on the program, or if not overtly saying it, kind of, you know, indicating that you're comfortable with it. Was it always like that? Or was there a time when financial pressures mean you had to work with people who didn't fit? I think we've been lucky that we made that commitment to each other that we were going to be that way from the beginning. Mm. Um, and it is hard. So with licensees, it's a very difficult thing to try and explain to a licensee who's building their business, they're starting out with 10 clients, they yeah. you know, every dollar counts. But, Ultimately, if you have one person who adversely affects the experience of that other nine people, then you're going to have, do truly detrimental damage to your business as a whole. Absolutely. And as, as hard as it might be to see that in the short term, the long term, even the clients, like if someone comes and you, you would have experienced it, um, every one of our recruits would have, where someone comes and you can just see they don't fit as part of the tribe. Um, the, the clients, the first ones to actually say to us that we just don't think that they're meshing or we're willing to help to try and you know, educate them on how this works. But they're very much the first ones to put their hand up and say, look, that person doesn't fit with us. Mm. And we have to take that on board. We have to listen to their opinion. I use it in different ways as well, though. I mean, um, because of the license system, I'm the leader of the 
you can call it customer service or client basis, that kind of thing. I have to continually not really convince so much as um, lead our licensees in a manner which shows them that sometimes the hard line is the best line. Yeah. To continually teach them that they aren't service providers, that they are experts in their field. Mm-hmm. And sometimes new licensees don't have the ego for it and it's a fine balance on ego because you don't want them to have too much, you don't want them to have too little, you want them to, to just believe in it. Yeah. Um, but there have been times where people haven't, I've said, I've, I've laid down a rule where I've said, if you don't turn up to the first day of boot camp, we are full, you will not be attending that. Yeah, I will give your spot to someone else. And I've had to take a massive cut, thousands of dollars a month, because I've had to stick to that rule, because I've said it. Because if I didn't stick to that rule, then no one's going to believe me. Exactly. It's false scarcity. Exactly. Yeah. So there are many, many times where, I, even now, where I still do will turn somebody away if they're not following the rules. Love it. Um, and they don't leave forever. They, they're back the next month. Yeah. I mean, people drop in and out. At, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing how long people have been there. I've been there, what, five years? We've got 16 years. 16 years. Like, <laughs> well, Kaz. So yeah, you know, Kaz very well. Yeah. Um, she's literally been training for 16 years. She has. Um, I'm really interested to ask this question because uh, whether you, there is real synergy between the stuff that people on this webinar, the clients do, which is get a result. Uh, and a lot of that result is based on performance, which is necessarily sometimes out of your hand, out of your hands. And I think one of the things I've, I've, one of the quotes that you once said to me, which I've, I've trotted out a number of times, which is Stu, I can, can give you the exercise program. I can tell you what to eat. I can tell you what not to eat. I can put on the boot camp at 5.30. I can congratulate you when you show up and uh, I can make you feel shitty when you don't, but I can't do your push-ups for you. What do, you, what do you see as the biggest levers that you pull to enable people to get a result as a result of influencing not just the information you give them, but the, behavior, the way you change their behavior? That's, that's all about basically finding out their reason for being there. It's always much deeper rooted than they'll actually let on. And okay. as soon as you can find that key, you've got them. And that's very much M's side of the business where she, she has direct contact with recruits outside of the training sessions. Yeah. Um, you know, she gets to understand not just the first layer of what it, what they're trying to achieve, and then I'll sort of give you a bit of a story as why they're doing it. But then when she digs deep, deeper, she said into understanding it might be gain, you know, for their kids or you know, self confidence or whatever it might be. That's a big element. I think the other part is what you touched on earlier, which is again the the, the tribe dynamic where you know you don't turn up. And you're going to get a ribbing from, you know, yeah. the guys that you train with straight away. Um, it's all, they're always like, you know, um, someone turns up that hasn't been there for a little while or missed a couple of sessions and it's like, oh, we didn't realise it was, you know, tryout day already. <laughs> you know, welcome to, the, welcome to the, your first session. You yeah. know, there's always that humour and that sort of dynamic that it's not just us who are going to try and keep you motivated. It's those other people who yeah. quickly you build a very strong relationship with. That's true. And, and what I love about it is it's not about who's the fittest. Um, it's not, you know, in, in our world, it could be everyone, it's not about who's the richest. There's different levels. You're at different stages and you progress. So I think, Gunny, you put me one side about two months ago when I was starting to feel a little bit gutted about some of my development. You said, it's just, it's a time. It's a, it's a matter of time. Just keep doing it time and time again and you're going to get there. And I think, uh, that, that really stuck with me. Um, can I just ask Gunny, um, are there some core reasons that really motivate people that, that you see time and time again? To, uh, to, to do things, to step outside themselves. Yeah. I think that they're motivated by other people, usually family or friends. Okay. I think they want to impress people. 
usually family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually it's usually to do with family. It's okay. usually they want someone to be proud of them. They want to lead the way for their children. Or th- this is it shouldn't be sad, but I think it's sweet. Is that the people that want to impress their spouse? They they want their spouse to to be attracted to them. And I think I think that's a wonderful reason. And I don't think it's and it's not just from an aesthetic point of view. No. Um, we we talked about this you know, again going just back to what we've done recently with Guy and his, his wonderful wife, Jules, is getting to, to see their dynamic as a couple mm. um, in the beginning to their dynamic now, it's remarkable. I mean, they mm. both respect each other as professionals and they love each other. I think they fell in love with But seriously, if I, have to, like, I feel like I have to slap them half the time to stop <laughs> like, telling me how amazing she is, how amazing he is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all those things. But it's just they've both been surprised by each other's level of dedication. Mm. And again, it just added a whole new level of respect yeah. in their relationship. Yeah. And so it isn't just about how they look and they obviously appreciate that too, but it is a change in mentality a lot of the time. And I think that's yeah. a great, great reason to be doing something like this. And a commitment. It's committing to something and sticking to it and proving not just to yourself, but to the people around you that, your word is your bond. You've, you've said you're going to do this and you're damn well going to do it. And the amount of times that people don't realise the overflow of something as small as that, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, I'm one, of, I'm one of eight kids and I didn't know how much. I'm the oldest. I raised my sister. Well, we both raised my sisters. Um, but I didn't realise how much of an influence, even though that none of them exercise, how much of an influence every word I say is. I it's funny that she says that, but they all do, but they just don't want her to know how much they exercise. <laughs> They're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, when you get this idea that you, the impact you can have on people around you, it was about five years ago, I got this email from this girl at school called Leanne. And I had, we connected on Facebook. She sent me this email saying, uh, I, she said, uh, I just want to say thank you. You were always really nice to me at school. I had a rough time. Uh, and look, I won't get into detail, but I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. <laughs> But sometimes it's these little waves you make. I mean, you've, you guys have had a massive impact on my life. That ripple has, the ripple effect has impacted Rachel. It's impacted our kids. It's impacted our lifestyle. Um, but I think, yeah, if you take one thing from this webinar, it would be that the impact you've, the ripples you've made are significant and they're still going on. And that's, uh, that's inspirational. Anyway, uh, I want to ask one question, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, Leon came in and said, build a tribe. Yeah. And we hear a lot about build a tribe, about building a community, uh, you know, the, 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 the result is what draws them in. Uh, the exercises is what gets them the result and the community what gets them to stick around, right? Mm-hmm. Same. What are your biggest tips, traps, phases you've been through in building a tribe? If anybody's out there thinking and they're at the beginning of it, how do you, how do, you do it? It's one of the things is trying to break down any sort of barriers between people. And you, as you mentioned before, you know, whatever socioeconomic background they might come from, uh, age, uh, any of those elements, they need to become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, on the beach, everyone wears a uniform, we provide them. You know, no one really gives a damn who's wearing the, the best-looking sneakers or whatever it is. No one even really notices half the time who drives up in what car into the car park at, you know, uh, yep. in the morning. We try to break down as many elements that separate people. And it's been very interesting how quickly people connect, A, through a shared experience, um, a shared challenging experience is very, very important as well. So if people feel that they have achieved something or overcome something 
and that's an experience that they've shared with the people either side of them or the people who are part of their group, uh, that creates a bond that is much stronger than we initially realised. Mm. Um, a great example of, of this sort of tribal element is um, in the last couple of years, we've travelled to, to Scotland and to the south of France for weddings um, of, of recruits. And every person that was at this wedding, so 15-odd people that had come all the way from Australia, none of them knew each other before they met at boot camp. Yeah. Mm. So they didn't know each other professionally or socially or they just created this bond at boot camp. And then there's an overflow. So obviously they start to socialise together or they might go and take on challenges together like going and running a marathon together or whatever it is. So we try to also um, support that idea that not everything has to be about us and Exercise. our group, yeah. that we have time together with that particular group, but we want them to, to expand that relationship beyond us. Yeah. You know, we love to be able to find out that people have become literally best friends through boot camp. We've had you know, dozens of people. I dozens think the of. one I'm most proud of is all the boot camp families now. People that have met at boot camp and have three, four kids. Uh, we had our first gay wedding of two people that met at boot camp. We've had oh, over a dozen people meet at boot camp who are mm. now living happily together with children. And it's just, they met because of exercise, because they decided to, to get up at five o'clock one morning. Yeah. But from, a, from a business point of view, and you can look at it in any sort of concept, is bringing people together, and they can be whether it's, you know, and again, we have a massive tribe that is international. Mm. So not only our Malaysian recruits who do boot camp, but um, people from right around the world who do our, our eight-week transformation program in the US, Canada, um, Europe, London, um, in the UK they all belong to the same tribe. So we, like, you know, Kez, one of our recruits in, in Coogee, who you know very well, yep. she flew to Canada and ended up hanging out for two days with one of our, our guys there who's done the, the transformation program. Never met him before. And he literally threw on the back of the motorbike, or actually Rachel as well, as well. Um, on the back of the motorbike and took them all around um, Canada to show them where he was living and what he was doing. Love it. And um, I look, I've... So it's, that idea is... Bring them together, something bigger. even if it's only digitally bringing them together and introducing a way for them to communicate with each other and then allowing them to communicate on their own. Don't try to over-manage the situation. Which leads us really nicely. I'd love to touch on marketing. I know I've got, uh, we've got about sort of 15 minutes left. So I'd love to get into the marketing bit because uh, the one thing you're so good at is regardless of how big you've got, it's always been personal. It's always been felt like we're having a conversation and you know, you see some businesses out there, they grow to a point and then suddenly there's a separation between them and, and you've just not done that. And it's, it's remained really personal. So um, Mark's asked a really good question. You know, boot camps, boot camps an ideal environment to provide a community, all sharing the same challenge at the same time in the same place. But can the same be applied when they don't meet face-to-face -face or whether there's not that much connection? I mean, I, I feel like I'm the answer. question. We're actually at that tipping point right now, strangely enough. So part of the reason we're here, you know, at uh, Men's Health uh, today is we're about to, to launch our transformation program as an app that's coming out uh, in the new year. Yep. And the pri primary reason for that is that it can be accessed anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. But part of it also is that the community is still there. So... Um, obviously, particularly again, a transformation program, 
People communicate about how well they're doing with the program and their training, their trading recipes, their uh, giving insights. So the people who've done it before can talk about their experience, the people who are new. Um, it can be done. And we've trialled it over the last couple of years on a very um, <laughs> basic platform, to be honest. You know, really not a particularly good platform at all. Which was? Um, but it, it's, we've proved that it works. Now we just need the technology to support that even more with greater growth. So I think, yeah, you can do it anywhere. You can do it with small groups, large groups. Um, even though at bootcamp, our community, community that we teach is maybe sort of 250 people per month that we train ourselves. We have around about sort of 8,000 people doing bootcamp across the network uh, each month. So the majority of them, we never meet personally. Now, mm. when we do, it's an amazing experience. Um, so a lot of it is remote. So it's still creating that community for a remote purpose. So I don't, don't doubt, Mark, that you should be able to do it in any format, particularly now with technology, um, whether it's through social media or building your own social platform. Um, it's more about you and your mindset towards the community as opposed to where it is or the format it's in. You know, if you can create something where people are welcome and they feel they're a part of it, and they have a level of ownership as well, it's their community, mm -hmm. I think you can do it in any sort of format and on, on any sort of scale as well. Facebook does work really, really well, though. I mean, just as an example, the other day, a couple of recruits really put in a great effort at Coogee Beach and two of the other recruits just emailed me and just said, hey, I know you're not allowed to give out details, but what's so-and-so surname so I can look them up on Facebook and tell them how fantastic they were today. Yeah. And now they're friends. That's excellent. You know, people can hate on Facebook, but I think it's a fantastic outlet for just those little steps to making friends. I do, I do feel like Facebook's a great way to do it as a community. Um, one thing is I do suggest though, as Mark, with Mark saying about, you know, can we do it um, online is to build a community where you have control as well. So even if it's a closed group on Facebook, mm. um, you want people to be able to let down their guard and that's a big part of, of really being accepted into a community is as soon as you show that you've let down your guard, other people do too. Yep. Um, you know, business success, business failure, whatever it might be, then there's a much stronger connection. Um, but people don't want to do that where people who aren't part of that community, yeah. just like people don't want to you know, post a photo of their, their before photo um, until they've got an after photo that just blows people away. Yeah. Um, but they'll share that with people in the community because they're all on the same journey at the same time. I think uh, my, my take on it is it doesn't matter what the platform, you want to feel like you're connected with whoever is there. So if you can send an email, like Gunny, I've often sent you emails. Um, some of them welcome, some of them are like, no, it's not on the list, Valley, you can't eat that. <laughs> but, you know, you get a response. You get a feeling that whether, it's, uh, whether it's, it's a response from you or someone else, there is a connection there. So it's not about the platform, it's about the access at, at times. Help that I don't usually reply with words. <laughs> just memes. <laughs> just memes and, and emojis. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and fist bumps. Which yeah. Is good. <laughs> Can we we talk about the rhythm of your marketing? How you've because um, you know you send out lots of emails. You're big on uh, photographs and things like that. You're big on sort of uh, talking a lot about what's going on in your world. Where did you learn to market the way you do? And what are the what are the key components that enable you to support what you do in a physical location with the stuff outside of it? Do you know what? The most honest piece of information I've ever received was from my uncle. And I was 14 at the time. And 
um, I don't tell many people this, so however many people are in this chat room, I didn't go to school. I, I finished high school when I was 15. I did my equivalency for HSC when I was 15. I passed everything. I, I just wasn't suited to school. So yeah. I did correspondence and homeschooling, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so people find that very amusing because it's one of the reasons I'm such an uh, extroverted introvert is because I, I can't deal with people. Okay. Which doesn't seem right. But my uncle said to me one day when we were, we were pen pals, very English gentleman, he said, he wrote me a five-line letter, and I was very disappointed. It basically said, Dearest Emily, you are perhaps the most boring person I've ever, ever written to in my life. Please don't write to me again unless you're willing to give me something to read. <laughs> and I, just, I was like, oh, my God. Being a 14-year-old trying to have a pen pal that's your uncle who is also an author, a very interesting man. Right. Oh, shit. And so I went back and I read the letters that I'd been writing to him. Hi, how are you? I am well. <laughs> and from that day, I just, I'm a big reader. So I just, I just snapped into it. I just, I took in what I could from different places and started writing like an author, like writing a story. Okay. And I, I think also that's true that you do write, like a story of it and you know you would definitely get this belly um from the emails that you read from from him is the fact that they're very personalized yeah um i think you know and you you mentioned before about us you know with our running so we've just come back from overseas um you know been away for a week running and you know from a business perspective some people say oh you travel too much but what they don't realize every time we travel and every time we compete every time we succeed we are creating an energy within our network on the fact that a we lead by example you know where we're not just there to to look good or or tell you what to do we're out there doing it ourselves but not every day is a good day not every day is a good day so your successes and you know your failures sharing that experience with them i think is one of the the best things that we've done from a marketing point of view um, and as you said it means that we're accessible um, everything is personalized you know, it's not about us. It's more about the fact that the story or, or the things that we're dealing with or the challenges we're overcoming are the same as what our clients are yeah. overcoming as well. So they realise that they're speaking to somebody who's either been through it, is going through it, um, or has dealt with thousands of people who are going through the same thing. Yeah. So I think as much as that sounds still about more customer service, to me, customer service and marketing are literally completely connected. Um, if you don't understand how to take care of your client, you're not going to attract a new one. You know, and, and that's ultimately mm. sharing that story. And social media is a fantastic way to do it. You know, as you said, we post mostly photos now. We've moved more towards um, Instagram as opposed to Facebook and creating conversations based on the visual aspect of what we do. Um, but we don't do any above the line marketing, so we don't, we don't advertise, mm, we, don't. we never have, uh, we don't do flyers, we don't do any of those sorts of things. Um, we believe in referrals um, and, as we said before, creating walking billboards, people like yourself who, who goes out and tells people about your experience and what you've achieved. Um, Creating a sense of urgency as well is always a big thing. You know, so, if you don't have a sense of urgency about waiting lists, about this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you know, this, you know, but you've got to, again, stick to, you can't lie. You have to have a level of straight down the line with it, I suppose you could call it. So if I'm saying that I only have 40 places, 
and that I'm almost full, I might only be half full, but that will grab people to come on and get there a little bit faster. So in, and in the end, I will be saying we are full now. Yeah, so you yeah. have to be quicker next time. I mean, that's based also on the fact that you know how quickly things grow, like how rapidly you flop. So the worst thing you can do is <laughs> tell, tell people, by the way, we're, you know, we're only taking 70 people and you know, we're almost full and then they turn up first day and there's only 10 people signed up. <laughs> but that's, yeah, you know, has a great experience of knowing exactly how many people are going to sign up on the last day or maybe the day after it started. Um, but again, from the marketing element, you know, having the, the, the idea of where the start and finish date to each course now, someone did ask earlier about um, how do we make people commit to yeah, five to eight. time. Five to eight weeks. Which is, people, you cannot start with us after our start date each month. We have a new start date once a month where we take on all new recruits and we'll, all our current recruits renew their, their experience or their, their membership. And they must do the full period of time, specifically if they're a new recruit. Um, if someone like yourself comes to me and says, oh, look, you know, we're going away on holidays for the last week, then Emma will work that out with you because you're, we know it's not a commitment issue. Mm -hmm. But if it's someone who's brand new and says, oh, look, you know, can I just do the first two weeks? No. Yeah. You sign yeah. up next month and do the whole four weeks. But ultimately, this is the product. So the product is, is defined. It yeah. is a four weeks, three days a week. This is what you're buying into. If that's not what you want to buy into, 50 metres down the beach, there's another great program, and this is what it's called, and here's his number. There's always great that. trainer, yeah. and that's it. And M does that. I hear her on the phone doing that, and they'll hang up, and literally two minutes later, they'll ring up and say, okay, I mean, after spending 20 minutes trying to convince her that they can't possibly do three days a week or can't possibly do four weeks, suddenly they can, and it's because she's set that that standard and I never negotiate no there's no negotiate and again on price or any point this is the product this is the price we can afford to tell you that because we also know what the outcome is going to be if you want to get to this point of your fitness or whatever it is we can guarantee you'll get there if you do what you're told you make the commitment that we're going to make to you and you buy into the product I think also there's always that tiny element of you are a reflection of us so if you don't look good sound good, have good form on your exercises, then what are we doing wrong? Mm. And that actually fixes us from a marketing point of view. The big thing I've taken from that, there's a whole bunch from that particular point, but it's if you, if you are loose with getting people to stick to your process and applying what you know works at the beginning, you've got no chance None. of getting it later on. But once they understand how it works, then you can take the reins off and, and let them go. It's think, like having children, Stu. Yes, it is. <laughs> you've got to set the boundaries. You've got to set the rules. Because yeah. regardless of whether adults think they need rules or not, we all need rules. We like rules. Was it Josh, Wink, uh, Josh Wink says, the Navy SEAL, he says, discipline is freedom. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that saying. And it, you, you go, it's true. Yeah. Well, particularly for people like yourself, where you have so much else to think about each day with your work and career and family, to be able to turn up in, and give everything over for one hour a day and just know that all I have to do is what I'm told, yeah. it is it. actually so incredibly rewarding. I get um, out of bed and I just wake, I wake up and say, all I've got to do is put my feet on the floor and that's it. And once it's done, I'm there. It's, yeah. it's There's a question there from Sean about um, yeah. the, uh, the rush conversion rates. Yeah. Um, with inquiries that come through um, to, to Emmett head office, um, her conversion rate is 97%, um, which is 
incredible. Um, a lot of our experienced licensees do get to close to sort of ninety percent regularly. Partly of that is because again the product is defined, mm -hmm. so people know what they're actually inquiring about, as opposed to oh, I want to come and try the program and see yep. me and. It is literally a matter of this is what it is. And it's the confidence of saying you'll get the result you want if you do this program. And The reason I, I convert so many people is basically because if you were to call me up and I didn't know you, we're instantly friends. I'm not going to talk to you like a client. I'm not going to try and sell you. I'm not going to feed you bullshit. Basically, you're calling me. You've got questions. I'm going to answer them honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the basics of it. People don't want faffers or niceties or, you know, small talk. They want someone that's going to chat to them on the phone, not waste their time and give them all the, all the elements that they need to hear in this amount of time. The thing is, and you hear it a lot of time in all your sales training about needs analysis. Yep. Um, and M is, is very, very good at this from a sales perspective, customer service perspective, is creating a conversation where she can glean as much information as possible from that individual to personalize the, the continued conversation. So finding out, as you were saying before, why are they there? What's the real reason that they're there? What are they really trying to achieve? It could be something as simple as hearing kids in the background. And those sorts of things. And as soon as she makes that connection, and as soon as you make the discussion personalized, that's when the conversion rate will be so high. If you are sitting there and you're doing a script, you, you're gone. Yeah, and when I, I, you know, I've, I've been in every element of our industry, and I've seen the sales scripts, and I've you know understood that element, and it's great to have points that you need to cover in your mindset, but ultimately you need to create a relationship and conversation with that other person, and as soon as you do, conversion rate will be through the roof. Don't sell the product, sell the transformation that this person wants. It's, and yeah, find out what the actual result they want to achieve is. As long as it's something you are confident you can yep. provide, if you can't, then you obviously give them to someone that you know and trust that can. But ultimately, if someone comes to you and it's within the realm of your product and your program, have that confidence to be yeah. able to say, we can do that. I think my confidence in my ability and my instructor's ability and my team's ability is above and beyond. So I have no problem saying 100%. How systematized is your business in the background? Um, mine is very. I've okay. got so many systems in place. I've been told I'm pedantic and anally retentive, not by him, by somebody else. I, wouldn't say that. I have spreadsheets and roll calls going back to the day we started. Mm -hmm. Everything. There are systems, there are ways to do things, there are things to file, things to keep, things that are necessary, unnecessary. But ultimately, I view my business, not that I'm going to, but if I was looking to buy my business, mm -hmm. I would like to go to someone like me and say, Give me everything. Give me the system. I could give you, I've got what I call the Bible, which Whoa. is everything that's ever happened to you, Stu. <laughs> <It's written. laughs> Don't you love that? Oh, it's it's in a Bible under does your it, name. Does it have the dummy spit that I had on that morning? <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. It does. Probably. That was a good one. I love that. <laughs> I'm um, doing home. Part of the business, it's very, very much systematic. It has to be because she deals with all of the client information that as well. Yep. From my side of the business, where it is the actual achieving of the results element of what we do. Uh, again, as much as from the recruit's point of view, it, it may not necessarily look as systemized as it is. Every workout, and this is the biggest thing I teach my trainers and any trainer in our industry is, every workout must have a measurable outcome. 
Now, it needs to be either physiologically, psychologically, or more often than not, both. Um, we never go into a session and just, like, make, make it up, up. You know, for the yeah. hell of it. We never go in not understanding what we're trying to achieve for the client. Um, and I have every session, because I write all the programs for every single instructor in our network. Um, I have every program going back for the last 12 years. Mm. And every we're talking session. periodization as in not just week by week, month by month, seasonally, yearly, bi-yearly, everything. So you, your client base is, it's got to have a system to it training-wise. Otherwise, you just won't be able to maintain them as a Recovery, long workload, all that stuff. Which is why we insist at, at Christmas that we leave the country. And you have a break. And you have a break. So you guys know that if you run this campaign at that time, you're going to get traction. Don't run at that time. It's not going to work. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, this is the discussion we have with, you know, um, you know the magazines that we deal with um, about understanding when people are looking at different elements. So whether it be um, obviously going into spring and people are trying to look better more often than anything, um, straight after Christmas. Again, a little bit about aesthetics, but also about feeling better that they've drunk too much, eaten too much, you know, sort of live the hard life a little bit for those period of time. Yeah. Other times of the year when people are trying to gear up to set themselves challenges, maybe to do the first half marathon, there are certain times of the year that you want to make sure you're targeting different elements of what we can achieve for people, mm -hmm. um, but also the type of person that's looking at that period. Yeah, I do think we could do better in that respect, though. And what are you, what are the, just... What are the times of the year that people reflect most and want to drive change as a general rule? August role? and January. August and January. Perfect. Yeah. Love that. And January because it's the new year. August because... New year. They've just had a huge Christmas. And August because they've been hibernating winter. Right. Got it. They suddenly realise it's warm. They take their clothes off and put their sun clothes on for the first time. And nothing fits. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of, it is a slap in the face for everybody. Like, because yeah. they're the clothes you, you've put away for six months. And it might even just be a singlet or something like in that. And suddenly it's, it's a, a measurable difference. There's a want and a need to feel good at the beginning of the year and feel good towards the Christmas parties and the end of the year as well. Yeah. I want to ask you some quick fire questions from the group. Now I want to ask you two really key questions because uh, I noticed we're running a bit long. I hope, I hope you've got five minutes or more. The question I came across was how to get people to commit to a boot camp for the whole five to eight weeks and pay. What's the two bits of advice you'd give Noreen for that? Um, well, you're not coming unless you pay for four weeks up front. Love it. Yeah, there's just, there's just there's no just other option. option. So right. you see your product, you, and it can be anything, you know, if you're doing mentoring or anything like that with clients, you just say you buy into a product at this level. There may be another level beyond that, but this is your base level. Mm -hmm. Don't ever drop below that. Uh, to expand on that question, she also asked the question, what's get people, what gets people to notice you? Do you tell them about the results you will get to get them in initially or is this something else? I think most of the, the emails and phone calls I get are that they saw us or they read a magazine or, you know, that kind of thing. So they've heard about us media-wise or seen us. Media, media and PR is um, incredibly important no matter what industry you're in. We're, so, again, we don't spend money on, on advertising or marketing in that perspective, but we have generated probably close to a million dollars worth of advertising mm -hmm. uh, by the results that we've achieved that have then been promoted through magazines. So, um, you know, guys cover, literally, if you want to get, you know, something on the cover of a magazine, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So we're very aware of that. We're also aware of the fact that people have a perception that what is seen in the media, you know, rightly or wrongly, 
is a more true representation as opposed to a bought advertisement. Got it. Editorial has much greater value than advertorial or advertising. So it brings me a really good point. I just want to expand on it. That's, that's obviously a, a network you built up through hard work and, uh, and through years. What about if you don't have that network, you're just starting out? How would you achieve the same sort of exposure or get on the right track? Well, you know, what you need to do is you need to find a point of difference. Mm-hmm. So in any sort of business, there's a point of difference. Um, ours at the time when we launched Bootcamp was everybody else was going towards gentle exercise. We've obviously gone the completely other direction. We were told we would fail. Yeah, we were told by everybody, by the media. Like, you know, nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody wants to be calling you Sarge and Chief and Gunny and nobody wants to be rolling around in in wet sand on a cold winter morning. So being different is a big part of it. Then it is, again, finding people who can become walking billboards for you. And that could be where they, they are literally it's such a dramatic result that you've achieved for them. And it might be a business result. So you've taken someone who's, you know, as a men, business mentor that's gone from, you know, struggling to, to hitting major goals, but then you want to get that out there. Yeah. So the benefit is when we started, the only way of doing that was through mainstream media. There was no social media at that time. Yeah. Now you can promote every goal that you achieve for a client through social media and then ask them to do so and ask the people that are noticing their result to do so as well. Creating a journey and a story. There's a really great tool that Dean, I think it's Dean Jackson or maybe Kevin Harder. He talks about work out the industry and what's the midpoint. What's the thing that everybody else says. Then on two extremes, say what's the crazy shit, you know, what's the one extreme, which is sit on the couch, do nothing. And the other extreme, which is CrossFit times a thousand naked swimming through sharks. And then work out what are the bits that sit in between the midpoint and the outside. And that's where you want to be. Otherwise you are going to get drowned out by the noise. There is a difference between, we talk about this a lot. There's a difference between tribe and cult. Yeah. <laughs> so cult is something that, that, you know, it can grow dramatically like CrossFit. We know, we, we know the guy that started CrossFit, uh, Greg, and, um, and it is a cult. And as much as it's a success, it ultimately is only really targeting a very, very small percentage of the market. You know, it's just got a, global reach but very few people really stay with a program that is of a cult element then there are tribal programs that tend to last as you said people have been doing for 16 years you know that sort of thing you want to find that that mid-ground something that's unique and different and challenging as you said but not extreme to the point where people go i don't want to hear anything more about you whatever you're doing you know your paleo you whatever whatever it is i want you to be talking to me about something you're just passionate about um, there's a great joke which says, how can you tell when someone, someone does CrossFit? Because they tell you in the first 15 seconds of meeting them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, one final question, and then I, I also want to tell people where they can go to get more information. Um, financial advice. Uh, it's an industry. Some people know about it, some people don't. I'd love to know your thoughts as, I don't know if you have an advisor or whether you're outsiders. How do you see it from your perspective? So we've had very poor financial advisors. We actually... Uh, had to overcome a lot of issues. We had major debts to the tax department and things through taking on the wrong, wrong advisor, someone that we actually put too much faith in. Mm-hmm. Um, then we dialed it back and took more control and basically went more from an advisory element. So we yep. had less, them have less control, but then look at our business from a big picture. 
We've had to move from one person to another at different times based on the scalability of what we're doing. Yep. So we're now about to go into a, a truly global element of what we're doing. We're about to uh, sign a book deal, um, you know, this new app that we're doing, signing a major agreement with a major publishing house. So we're doing all these really, really big things that we are now again outside of our comfort zone. So again, it's the time to sit down with someone who may be more sort of specialised in that element of our mm -hmm. business. I think it's fantastic. You've got to find out where your weaknesses are and mm -hmm. never be afraid to find someone who can advise you in that area of your business. You know, it's by no means our strong point. Um, no M, from a personal perspective when it comes to finances, um, is amazing. But when you look at something that has so many levels as our business does, mm -hmm. from our own coaching to licensing to uh, our product ranges, all these things, you need to find somebody who's very mm -hmm. much specialised. Yeah. And there's great benefit to it. At the moment, I have someone that I trust that basically tells me, you know, this is where you're headed in a good respect. This is what you need to do to stay on top of it. Mm -hmm. And this is how much money you need to put aside each month for that. Love it. It's um, that simple. And that's how simple I need it. So we talked a lot about results. I just want to know if advisors are trying to market their stuff as people who look to get advice, what's the result you're looking to get from, the, from financial advisors? We do, and again, we do look at this, and there are some advisors, and you know, I don't know if any of you have sort of thought about this yourselves, um, there are some advisors who specialise particularly in our industry. So the fitness industry is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. You probably all sat in your car and you've noticed that there are more ads for becoming a personal trainer on radio than any other individual product or service. Yep. Um, we are, I think it's tens of thousands of new trainers dumped into our industry each year. The thing is, they have no idea how to run a business. So the average career expectancy of a personal trainer is 18 months. 18 months, and not because they're not good trainers. And that's if they're indoors. That, yeah, outdoors, six months. <laughs> Literally, wow. first winter, straight away. But if you have some way where you can provide a systemized service for trainers to look at how to manage their career from the word go, because most trainers, a lot of them cash in hand, yep. pocket, they go and spend it. You know, trainers often get clients to pay up front. So we do with boot camp, but even one-on-one -on -one trainers buy a 10-pack. Problem is they've spent a lot of that money before they've even done the second session with the client. Yeah. This is where financial advice for the fitness industry is a booming concept. Um, and, it, and anything like that. You know, again, the results come down to someone who's starting out and how quickly they're not just succeeding, but are also maintaining the quality of their business um, and the quality of life. Mm. You know, they don't want to be buried under paperwork and all those things particularly in our industry as well, they choose to become a trainer for a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Um, ultimately, if you can show people have found a balance in their life between their work and their family life or social life, that's the stuff people want to buy into. You know, people even aren't in our industry, the same thing, they always want to know about how did we get our lifestyle. Yeah. More so than how did we build our actual business. We have a lifestyle that we love. Yeah. How did we get that? And that can be any industry. And if you can show that your clients are achieving a great lifestyle, yep. that's it. That's what's going to sell anything. So where they started to, where they're at now, in detail, that's the lifestyle that you've got for clients that's going to sell it. That's absolute gold. Thank you. Final thing, if people want to know more about you, about what you're doing, and 
how they can maybe find out a bit more information about bootcamp or any of the stuff. Where, where can they go? Where should we send them to, to sort of go uh, for bootcamp? If it's bootcamp specific, it's just bootcamp.com.au. Easiest one to remember. Um, as a whole of all of our programming, you can go to transformationcoach.com. Uh, so that's all elements of our business, including bootcamp, um, our transformation coaching and our product lines and things like that. Yeah. And transformation coaches, um, I use, uh, it used to be called, oh, there's a part of it. It's called eight weeks to hour. But it's a program that I've done three times now. And I, like, this isn't just a plug. I always felt like I didn't have any control over my weight or my size. And it, yeah, it works every single time. It's such a great program. And it's much easier than it used to be. Yeah. It is, yes. It's taken a lot of work. You know what? I think the best day was when I became celiac. When I found out I had celiac disease and had to make more concerted decisions. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's kind of that whole thing about. The Vikings, when they wanted to take the island, they burnt the boat. You built a program which is perfectly designed for somebody who has that kind of eating challenge, but also wants to be an elite athlete, and it works brilliantly. So, hey, um, thank you so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. We've gone well over. I just wanted to thank you so much for your time. What's the afternoon hold? Uh, I've got a go and blog for the eight week challenges, the people that we've got on the transformation coach at the moment. Yep. We've got, we've got people all over the world in this one. Um, the last person I spoke to was in Paris. I was trying to help him find a food provider because he said that he was just addicted to <laughs> low fat Parisian food. That's going to be interesting. Uh, you know what? It was easier than I don't, I don't know people that don't know how to use Google, but it was easier than I thought it would be. So that's me. I'm blogging this afternoon and then setting up a few things, getting a few chapters of the book written. Great. Love and I'm it. just writing programming for our networkers and uh, for our clients. So, yeah. Thanks again. I'm going to let you guys go because I've taken up far more of your time, but this has, been, uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. No at all. Take care. I'll speak to everyone later. Enjoy. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. That's the reason I went gooey and gaga. What a great episode. I think you, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it was interesting uh, getting those two on a webs, uh, webinar at the time. It's pretty hard uh, simply because they had a big schedule. They released a book, which I think is still out there, eight weeks to wow, uh, and they were doing a bunch more. Uh, guys, if you're interested, you should go and check out originalbootcamp.com. Uh, that talks a bit about the programs, and they have a number of different classes all over the place. They also have a, a gym uh, in the city called Squad, S-K-W-A-D-O-D. It's just nestled in there around about Wynyard Park. So, um, uh, yeah, just check them out. And, uh, yep, as I said, I've learned more from those two uh, about motivating people and, and coaching people to get results than anybody else I've ever had the opportunity to meet. Uh, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Finnovator. There will be more to come. Uh, if you love it, go and leave a review. But in the meantime, have a great week and I'll catch up with you soon.